0: So this is the 8th Lane Podcast and today we have Amanda with us. Um, Amanda, why don't you give us a short bio about kind of who you are and what you stand for.
1: Yeah. um, Thanks so much for having me. My name is Amanda. A quick synopsis of my very long story um, is just that I'm a two-time cancer survivor. Um, I went through 16 months of chemotherapy and really discovered sport and intentionality in that process. And over the past few years, it's just been about revival and showing other people that they can overcome so many difficult and seemingly impossible challenges when they're put in the right mindset. So I've really been on a mission to spread that positive message to those who don't think that they can get through something really tough when in reality, we all have the power within us to overcome.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that like, as soon as I saw your page on Instagram, I like immediately felt that from you that it was like you we're trying to help others understand, like, who they can be as well. Yeah. And instantly I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to talk to her oh, so bad. Oh, she seems thanks. so cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've listened to a few other podcasts that you've done. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to start with just, like, kind of like a timeline. You started a long time ago in the military, mm-hmm. which is so unique. Yep. Um, Why did you... Join the military. What <laughs> age did you join the military at?
1: Yeah, so I actually joined the military after college. So I graduated from the University of Washington, um, and then immediately left for the military. And I, I guess there's a few reasons as to why I decided to go that path. Um, one is I I've definitely always felt this draw to giving back to this like extreme amount of gratitude that I've always felt for the opportunity to live here in America. It is really easy to like oversight, like how yeah. many blessings we have here and being able to live here and have clean water and access to food and healthcare and and so many things that we take for granted each day that I, I knew I wanted to give back to that purpose. And I've always felt drawn to serve in that way. Um, and after, the, after college, um, I had worked three jobs while going to college and there was I was just all over the place and I really needed one direction to go mm-hmm. forth. And I've always been someone who's searched for the hardest route, um, which I think has helped me. Yes.
0: Um,
1: definitely in later <laughs> years of my life. Um, but yeah, so I, I graduated. I decided that that was the route that I was going to go. Originally, I had planned to go into the Air Force. That was, I I love airplanes. I have this weird affinity with airplanes. That's cool. cool. Um, and it was actually from my grandpa. Um, he works for Boeing for 45 years. So um, definitely feel tied to airplanes. Um, but I it, all in all, I guess I went uh, the Army route. So I was in the Army for seven years. Um, had a really incredible time while I was in. Uh, Definitely some hardships, definitely some positives, but overall really grateful for my experience and got to do some pretty cool stuff while I was in.
0: That's so cool. And probably like all of the things that you learned there are applicable to the endurance sports that you're doing now. Like I'm excited to delve into that just a little bit more with like, I don't know what correlation you see and how you're even your training mindset from like the physical aspect of the military applies to your endurance now. Um, Yeah. yeah. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? really quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, even just this first day of basic training, you, your eyes are completely opened to how intense the experience is going to be. Everyone has a different experience. I'm not sure how it is nowadays either. Um, However, I mean, you're training from the moment that you open your eyes until you're in bed at night. And, um, it was really beneficial for me to have a strong endurance base built, not necessarily where I'm at now, but I did have some sort of endurance base just from liking running. Um, uh, After I graduated from high school, while I was going through college, I found fitness to be like my absolute escape. So lifting weights has always been like the core being of who I am. Um, But um, in my senior and junior year of college, I found running to be like such a mind clearing and, it, yeah, it just gave yeah. me that feeling of like like everything is gonna be okay. and i I had a pretty challenging childhood, and I actually um Left home when I was 16 years old and faced some pretty tough challenges just in in my childhood and then young adult age, but I found running to be just this absolute space of clarity and solitude, and it gave me so much peace. Um, so I did one half marathon before I left for the military, and then um, in the military it was really clear to me that my strong base of endurance or strong quote unquote strong base of endurance at that time and my weightlifting really definitely paid off Um, in the military. You have to pass a a multitude of tests in order to do X, Y, Z. So if you if you're higher or if you're more advanced in fitness, you have greater opportunities within the military. Um, In addition to you being a good soldier and um, being intelligent and being good at your job, so Mm. many different things. But um, yeah, I found that to be a huge driver of um not only my effort that i was able to put forth just immediately coming into basic training but also just my level of fitness
0: Hmm. and didn't you say you Held yourself to the men's standards, not yeah. just the women's standards.
1: Always, I've always That's been this okay. way. That's
0: awesome. Like, <laughs> <You're really laughs> cool. yeah,
1: I've always been this way. And actually, I played boys' baseball growing up. So, so from cool. three to eighteen, I played boys' baseball, and I think that comes from that. Of yeah, I never wanted anyone to be able to question my abilities and my mm-hmm. capabilities. Um, so I always held myself to a really high standard. Um, and for sure never held myself to the the female scale, which is quote unquote, like the lower scale, Yeah. but it's matched right to upper body strength, um, et cetera. Physiology, so. yeah. Physi- literal physiology, having less testosterone, yeah. um, et cetera. But yeah, I maxed the male scale for every single PT, PT test that I performed. Um, what was the
0: hardest one, do you think? Like, or hardest few, or were yeah. there any? Maybe they were all um, easy for you, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Hmm, um, hardest one. I would say physically my hardest challenge was probably at airborne school specifically. So okay. I went to airborne school um, while I was in the military and it sounds silly that it would just be like at a school that it was the most physically challenging but they really tried to get me out. Like uh, <laughs> it's, it's very common and maybe not for every single company but it's mm-hmm. very common for them to pick on the females first of like we want them to get out as fast as possible to devalidate their their skills or to find what's lacking in their skills mm. and kick them out sooner and it's it in my in my eyes it's practicality aspects like it's driven by practicality if you're yeah. um in a special missions unit you're in special forces you need to be able to have high levels of excellence and fitness and if you are the weakest link then the team has a weakness mm. so whether you're female or not it doesn't matter you should be held to the same standard yeah. um which is also why i held that held myself to the male sc- scale because i knew if i was ever in an, an environment where i was the weakest link i wouldn't do very well with that yeah <laughs> um yeah. so but yeah that was my my experience there was one day specifically we it was called tower week where we jump out of towers um and we're attached to like a not fun zip line. Um, And the line that brings basically the the tether back to the, t- the end of the tower, it's like this big rope that hangs from the line and you have to run it all the way back and you have to sprint it. So they had one person that was cycling through, but they didn't cycle me through. They kept me on there for nine and a half hours and I didn't eat lunch. And it was in the middle of summer in, um in georgia did you get water i mean i had water on my back so we, we wear like <laughs> okay like a water source back or yeah but still i i knew in that moment i was like they are testing me 100 percent, 100 percent. holy cow um just a couple other experiences like that where i think that they could sense my toughness mm. and the the standards at which i held myself and then they pushed that like to where they, th- they thought that I would break, but I never did, um, which is really interesting. It's it it's very common in the military. I'm not saying it's it's the greatest thing. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's pretty cruel, but mm-hmm. it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like there's women who I'm sure still experience stuff like
0: that. Yeah. Even the way you speak of it though, I think speaks to who you are as a person and like what your will is because like some people when they speak to experiences where they were put in maybe like an unfair situation or where they were treated differently than others in like almost an unfair advantage. Yeah. Um they speak about it like in a negative way, but when you speak about it you it's almost like you purposefully rose to the challenge and We're almost grateful for the opportunity to rise to the challenge, which I think is cool. That's probably what makes you a good endurance athlete (laughs) now. For sure. I think
1: I think specifically in the military also is just always tied back to that element of like I need to be like for the safety of myself and those around me. Like, It's really important to hold your own um, Mm -hmm. because putting your team in danger or you in danger at the end of the day is a risk. So, but yes, definitely, I think I gathered that from, from childhood and then through my adulthood. But definitely helps me a lot in the military for sure to That's have that mindset. Crazy.
0: So it was in the military too that you were first diagnosed with cancer. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I guess we, we can, if you'd like me to go yeah, through it. Yeah, let's get um, into it. Yeah. So I was originally diagnosed... Um, a year after, actually, I had noticed um, the tumor on my foot. So my okay. cancer all started on my foot. Um, so it was on the top of my foot. And um, I went to the doctor to go to get it checked out after my husband, Tyler, w- was begging me to go. Um, I-, I do think it's actually worth explaining this as well. But um, in the military, also being a woman in the military, also having knowing now what you know about my mindset in the military, yeah. I never, ever wanted to be sick or hurt. And I always, I tend, I even still, I still have a challenging mindset with this because it is tough to be injured and not have control over, over that and, or to be sick and not have control over that. But tying that to weakness is something that is really strong rooted in the military. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty common, especially with being a woman because you're already viewed in a certain light by some people who have old school mindsets that that think that women can't do what men can do might look down on women immediately when they know that they are sick or hurt, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that I never went to the doctor while I was in yeah. for like, uh, for five, five years, I didn't go <laughs> to the
0: doctor. I'm sure you had plenty of energy. Injuries in yeah. those five years. Oh, yeah, like a God.
1: potential hip uh, fracture. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I avoided it like the plague because I was like, uh, you are not catching so, like, me. My hip's broken.
0: Is fine. It's I can bad.
1: walk. <laughs> I'll run it off. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I went to the doctor to get like the physical that they required every year, but yeah. I always lied. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got my the whatever like shots they wanted to give me for uh-huh. whatever. Um, but then I went about it. I was like, I will not go it's not the place for me um but I ended up going because Tyler was was begging me to go and the doctor shooed me away he looked at me and he was very dismissive and was like it's nothing get out of my office that's
0: so annoying oh my gosh
1: it's really tough because it's one of those things like I don't think that he knew my mindset going into that yeah of like I didn't want to be there anyway. So you just told me exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um. So I went a whole year and Tyler was like, I need you to get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And I was very hesitant slash I think there was a little part of me that was in denial of what it might be. Um.
0: So do you think you knew something was wrong? Yeah. Okay. I knew. Yeah.
1: Um. For one, it just, it never really looked like a, uh, like, uh, so actually I should give a backstory. Yeah. So I had stage three melanoma and ocular cancer. And melanoma is something that's normally found like on outer parts of your body that are exposed to the sun. Well, the melanoma that I had um, is the same one that Bob Marley died from. So it starts, it started on my foot, which is very common for this specific um, genotype of of cancer. Um, it's very common in young people or not very common, but it's the most common in young people. Mm-hmm. It's a very, yeah. cancer type of cancer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it had like, it felt like it had a life of its own. And I think gut in my gut too, I also just, mm-hmm. just knew, but I was very much in denial. Yeah. Um, so when that doctor gave me the answer that I would like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, cool. Yeah, I was right. Exactly. And <laughs> I just went about my life as if that didn't exist. And it took me about a year because I had promised Tyler that I would go to the doctor when I got a different duty station. Mm. Um, So I arrived back in Washington state. I got to pick where I went um, just due to the awesome circumstances that I had while I was in the military. Um, I ended up back in Washington state and then I went to his dermatologist actually as a trick um, so he went to get his moles removed because yeah. he's a very moly guy mm-hmm. and his grandpa actually died from melanoma. Okay. So he's has it in his health history. Mm-hmm. I went with him and he essentially tricked me to good getting husband. my foot checked up. <laughs> yeah, he's a good husband. Obviously, I thank him very much mm-hmm. for um, taking care of me in that moment. But he knew definitely what I didn't, didn't want to do. So... His dermatologist took one look at my foot and was like, Amanda, you need to go to the Mm. doctor. Like, you need to go back. Um, And after that moment, everything was like a flash. Uh, It was like a flash of lightning just struck down and everything went from zero to 100. Went to the doctor, um, had, my initial tumor removed, um, and then within three months, I was uh, on bed rest for two weeks, and was told that I was going to be non-weight bearing for six months, so in a boot and on crutches for six months, and that I would never run or hike again. And specifically due to my surgery, I had, I think it was somewhere around like s- maybe eighty to hundred stitches in my feet, in mm-hmm. my in my foot, um, which with severe tissue damage, ligament damage, um, tendon damage. Um, just do the surgery. So they took lymph nodes, they took the tumor, and um, yeah, I started my recovery for my surgeries. Mm. And then six months after the recovery for my surgeries, I started
0: my chemo. So how did that feel? Like you saying that in college, running became like very cathartic for you almost, and like therapeutic. How did that feel having someone say like you're never going to walk again
1: yeah i mean my first thought was actually about my career right mm-hmm. like my the whole reason why i was successful in my military career i i was very fortunate enough to be chosen immediately out of training for a special operations unit and mm-hmm. um, i went through like a very specialized program that i would say one in one two, maybe one in four thousand people got the opportunity to even talk to the the lead um of this program, they picked me out of school, like plucked me out. It was very strange, almost like, a, it actually reminded me of like a movie <laughs> where like someone gets like, they're like watching in like a building and then they pick <laughs> you out. That's really what it felt like because I got picked out of class um, while I was in job training. And it was very lucky. And I I got to work in at uh, Joint Special Operations Command and at First Special Forces Group. And my entire career was spent in Special mm-hmm. Operations, which is such a blessing. However, yeah. um that was so so extremely reliant on my performance Mm -hmm. both intelligence wise and then also um physically and the whole reason why i got selected or not the whole reason but a huge reason why i got selected is because they saw that potential that physical potential
0: so this was seven years into your career at the military this was some uh somewhere around like five and a half five and a half years okay yeah that's a long time yeah. And I'm sure you had a lot of dreams like associated oh my with gosh, that as yeah. well. Yeah. A lot of identity stuff.
1: Yeah. Hundred percent the identity yeah. aspect. Yeah.
0: So for you immediately was it like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with this, I'm gonna fight it, and I'm gonna overcome this, or did you let yourself wallow for a few days? How did Yeah. How did that look? I think I was in denial for sure. Okay. Um I think it didn't
1: take me until I was in my recovery from my surgeries, like not being able to walk, not being able to put shoes on, <sighs> being in a boot in uniform and yeah. being just having people look at me a certain way and me just, that is really where I, I found myself like really struggling with the, with the identity aspect of it. like, mm-hmm. I've always viewed myself as an athlete. I've always viewed myself as a stellar military personnel, um, as a stellar soldier, as a stellar leader. And now I feel as though I can't do that. And that was really tough really tough i never showed anyone (laughs) um that i felt that way it was always Mm -hmm. like i'm totally good we're good i'm gonna (laughs) i actually continued going to military trainings while i was in a boot while i was on crutches i literally acted as if that did not exist i still Mm -hmm. worked out every day um i would sit on the assault bike for 45 minutes and just do it with my arms (laughs) to try and keep my cardio (laughs) up yeah i mean like look back and i'm like amanda you have a serious problem or a serious seriously strong mindset um but yeah i mean i think i didn't let myself really accept what was going on until i started my chemo because mm-hmm. physically of course i was not able to walk or work out or be the soldier that i wanted to be in that time period because i was on crutches however i still like felt like myself um yeah. internally I wasn't able to give what I was able to give um before but I still felt like myself mm. chemo really removed that mm. from me um and I started that um yeah it was actually no it was closer to like seven months post surgery so, so you I,
0: didn't feel like yourself because you couldn't push anymore or what aspect of yourself did you feel like so you lost? many
1: things um because I went through chemo while while we were shut down on Washington State for COVID. Okay. So one of the aspects that's really unique to where I was living at the time is that Washington handled COVID so differently than everywhere else. I mean, to the point where we weren't able to leave our house. Um, oh. People were getting arrested if they were leaving their house. And it was way more shut down than, yeah. you know, I have friends in Texas, I have friends here. It, way more shut down than here for, yeah. y- for years, um, which is just wild to think back on. But um I was going through chemo while COVID, the COVID shutdown was happening, um, and still recovering. So I think that isolation is really what Mm. the isolation is really what challenged me in so many ways, but also has really built my mental fortitude and my purpose to where it is now. Solitude is really challenging for some people, especially when they're going through tough times. We le- rely so much on other people's positive energy when we're going through hardships, but sometimes that's not what we need. Like mm. sometimes we actually just need to sit in the suck of what's happening or sit in the negative thoughts and, and go through the spiral to actually understand where, we're, where we actually are. Mm. And... It really I I look back and it was it was so challenging, but it really was such a blessing because I never experienced solitude. I'd always like dove into work. Like I said, through college, I worked three jobs like I was always go, go, go. And this was the first time in my entire life that I sat down and I asked myself how I was feeling, Mm -hmm. why I was feeling certain ways, why certain things happened in my life that I didn't have control of and how I responded to those things and what I was accepting in my life that, that I didn't, that I no longer wanted ties to. And it really transformed my life in so many positive ways. And people think I'm crazy when I say um, that cancer saved my life, but it did. And what I mean by that is not just like my existence because it challenged yeah. my existence so deeply. And I was, I'm wasn't. i not supposed to be alive. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. But cancer truthfully saved my life in the aspects of what life means. Mm-hmm. It means living intentionally. It means walking each day with purpose and with passion and being connected to those around you and truthfully being with other people and being with each moment. And it taught me to do that because I was living like I was dying because I was. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just something that I I will be forever grateful for because I, I now know what my purpose is and now I can give that to others. And how beautiful is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. I I wonder like how you pull everything you learned from your time spent alone, like going through chemo, like having to face those things that you like maybe never would have, had the time to sit and think about mm-hmm. if you hadn't had all that alone time. Like how do you pull those tools that you used then into your life now? Like how how do you use them? And do you do certain practices like journaling or I don't know, talking to a therapist or yeah. how do you do that now without yeah. going through chemo alone? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, So a lot of my alone time was spent in the mountains actually. Mm. So I, um, as soon as I found out that I could no longer run or hike again, I said, um, no. <laughs> like, Sorry. Said, Try me. Um, so I thought of what is the most challenging thing that I could put my foot through, my mm-hmm. foot and my ankle through. And it was hiking, um, or tra- trail running was the, the ultimate goal, but it was mm-hmm. hiking because of uneven ground, um, instability. And so I went, I, I found immediately that that was the most healing place for me because mm-hmm. It was solitude, um, yeah. and the mountains. If, if I know you have a lot of trail running audience, and that feeling that you get where you're just in euphoria, you're kind of connected without being truthfully like connected to like every single second. But you're so present yeah. because you're worrying about where your feet are going. You're looking at the. The trees, you're wondering if a cougar is going to get you. <laughs> like, uh. There's so many aspects that force you to be present. You, yeah. you don't have the opportunity not to be. And I did a lot of backcountry stuff where we didn't have phone service. And everyone should just go not have phone service for a little bit if they're feeling stressed out. But... Yeah, so that's something I still practice today. is Is going out into the mountains and getting that elevation meditation is what I call it. Um, but beyond that, just at home, yeah, I, I do meditate every day. Um, I journal of some sort every day. And journaling to me is not something that's structured. I think a lot of yeah. people think that journaling has to be like, well, today I <laughs> dear journal. like dear, yeah, exactly, yeah. dear diary. Today I like it doesn't have to be like that. Sometimes it's just like a scattered mess of. Mm like random thoughts that you're thinking, or sometimes it's gratitude. I try and practice gratitude every single day. Like that mm-hmm. is a life changing tool that you can have in your toolbox. and. I love saying this because I think it's like the most profound thing ever. But scientifically, we cannot have gratitude exist in our brain at at the same time as negativity. Mm. So as soon as we actually sit in a space of I am grateful for, it removes the ability for us in that moment to have negative thought patterns, which is such a powerful idea. Because if we're truthfully grateful in each moment, because there's always something to be grateful for, Mm. even if like my yeah. experience like i was going through chemo and told i was going to die like i was more grateful at that time than i had ever been before um so there's always always time to be always things to be grateful for always time for gratitude and it doesn't have to look super structured or look a certain way um so that's something that i practice um daily as well so so i mean everyone has a different like way that they can get mindfulness in in their day and some things might work for others that don't work for me and vice versa um but those are definitely some things that have worked and slow mornings are a big one for me too of like Mm -hmm. don't immediately pick up your phone when you open your eyes in the morning the last thing that you want to do is fill your brain with all the things you have to do so just give yourself like the five minutes. It's all it takes. No one needs you for five minutes. Like, let's just be real. No one needs you for five minutes yeah. in the morning. Don't be fine. Just give yourself that space. And it just comes coming back to the present moment is so insanely important. And I think the Internet's kind of removed our ability to, to have that be a default. Mm.
0: Yeah, I read a book. Someone recommended it to me a while ago called The Comfort Crisis. Mm. And he I just remember enjoying it because he speaks to all this time he spends in the backcountry. He does a lot Mm. of like hunting expeditions, which I think is very cool. I've never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. But it is just like the same idea where you're putting yourself in almost uncomfortable situations where you have no choice but to like think of the things that – you normally would maybe push away or the things that you normally would try to fill your time with so that you wouldn't have to think about. Totally. And then when you're in the mountains for like your elevation meditation <laughs> or whatever, there's like, you have no choice but to no. like kind of face those thoughts and face the things that you're doing that probably aren't serving you or mm. that you need to change. 100%. And yeah, that's one of the magic things about endurance sports to me yeah. is that you get, you get that
1: you get that time yeah Yeah. and 99% of the people are also feeling that too yeah and seeking that and I think that's so beautiful too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah pretty wild we're all a little crazy but (laughs) in the best way (laughs) yeah
0: exactly (laughs) um I think your journey to Kona too for Ironman is absolutely insane what was it like six months from the time you started Training for an Ironman.
1: Um. Yeah. So I didn't know how to swim a bike. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: crazy. Would you say you didn't know how to swim? Like, what does that?
1: Oh, like mean? I didn't I I knew how to survive. Okay. Um. Like, get out of the water.
0: <laughs> yeah, my husband's probably laughing because he like watches me swim and he's like, "Are you dying?"
1: <laughs> oh no, <know>, like. seriously. <laughs> no, like, uh, um. So I I'd, I'd been to some military courses where it required me to be in the water but literally the whole aspect was getting out okay <laughs> it was not staying in it mm. um i did have one military school that i was at that um i actually backstroked the required swim but i did it in the time that they <laughs> needed so i was like perfect
0: like, I, never I, seen i'm not someone joking. Do this. yeah no seriously
1: <laughs> like what are you doing in fact we were uniformed so is uh like fully in our clothes. Mm -hmm. It wasn't swimming like a normal person swims. It was in boots and Uh. random stuff. Um, So I actually didn't even use my arms i just kicked just kicked <laughs> yeah that's a pretty quick Kick on then. my back <laughs> yeah i mean it's awesome. <laughs> looking back now that i know how to swim i'm like oh my gosh like, what like was, i made that
0: so hard on myself why did
1: i do that yeah <laughs> but yeah i didn't know how to swim i didn't know how to bike i mean i could survive on a, but the first day that i got up on a bike i was on the ground
0: like falling yeah. over oh yeah
1: um so <laughs> you're uh, like, this is a long road. <laughs> this is literally, it might be the longest road ever. <laughs> so, yeah, I started training in January of this year, and then I competed at Ironman. Coeur which is in mm-hmm. Idaho um on June 25th and if anyone knows anything about Coeur d'Alene Coeur a pretty intense race yeah so it was kind of funny that I picked that one as my first but ended up being a really good tool for Kona which I ended up qualifying for <laughs> I
0: feel like it's fitting you chose Coeur for your so first one ridiculous and then you, like qualify for Kona
1: <laughs> and it was I wrote down a goal that I didn't tell anyone and it it literally, the only goal that I had for 2023 was to qualify for Ironman World Championships at my first ever triathlon. And it's pretty awesome that I was able to do that. Yeah. But it definitely required me to to sacrifice actually a lot of my elevation meditation mm. because a lot of my training was indoors. Um, and it it was a totally new experience for me. And, and learning three sports, I mean, I knew how to run, obviously, but yeah. um, learning two, spor- like brand new sports and like all the like mental aspects that come into it, what wattage means, like what yeah. swimming strokes. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I did have a coach for that, which was so helpful, but it was still just I mean, it was an experience for sure. Yeah. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, did I do that? <laughs> You're like, that's
0: a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wasn't even that long ago. It was,
1: it was October. Um, Kona was in October. Um, but yeah, I mean, such a beautiful experience. I think everyone should go view an Ironman at some point in their life because mm-hmm. the amount of people, like, just the cr- the amount of people who you don't necessarily think as Ironman competing, like, we all get stereotypical in our brains of like what they look like. They look like Lucy Charles, yeah, um, and that's the only person who lives an Iron Man. No, that's not true. The I mean, one of my favorite aspects of Iron Man is seeing like the seventy-five year old ladies crossing. It's I love just the it. coolest thing ever, and you know that they just put so much time and effort into training. But not only that, not only that, but they've accomplished such an amazing goal with. I mean obstacles that we don't even know about right yeah. being young and and overall healthy so pretty crazy I I love Iron Man for sure I need I've t- taken a step back this year um I'm still going to be competing in um at the very least 70.3s mm-hmm. this year but um we'll see I haven't planned my later half of the year out so <laughs> you're <laughs> we'll like see. I have the
0: first half of the year planned aren't you doing Leadville 100 I this year? am
1: yeah so just
0: Leadville that's all
1: <laughs> uh, I know I <laughs> I'm feel so excited. part for of me you. feels like a little bad because it's So I'm new to Ultra. This will Mm -hmm. be my first season of Ultra. Um, But
0: an Iron Man's what... I think you said you finished it in, what, like 13 hours mm -hmm. or something? Yeah. Which is like the time some ultras yeah. take you know and I've done uh over marathon distance in the back country
1: oh, okay um, so I summited 30 of Washington's highest most te- technical peaks so I've That's been out awesome. in the back country for like over 25 hours stints um just going so
0: um, yeah, you've done ultras just not sure, a race yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just it's a little different it's a lot more hiking yeah um and navigating and such but But yes, this was my first year, and I think part of me feels a little bit bad for those who didn't get um, their lottery positions. However, Mm. this is an opportunity for people to recognize that you can ch- do charity bibs, so oh, that yes. is what I'm racing for. So I, it's just so in line with with who I am and my whole experience. But I was fortunate enough to get a charity bib with First Ascents. So they're a cancer organization that provides outdoor experiences and retreats That's to cool. cancer patients and survivors, and mm-hmm. MS patients and survivors, which is. I mean, I couldn't literally couldn't even think on paper of a better opportunity yeah. um, for me to race for my purpose and my mission. So, um, yeah, I'm so excited and I feel very blessed to have the spot. But I'm also a little bit intimidated <laughs> for sure at the hundred mile distance. But I think that's why I picked it because in my eyes, I I'm very confident that I can do fifties, but hundreds. Like, am I am I going to be okay? <laughs> yeah, that's part of the
0: fun of them, kind it of is. too, is like am I going to do this? Like, yeah. without the question of, like, am I going to do this? Then, the yeah. like, fun kind of gets taken away a little bit. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. Or you hold yourself to too high of a standard yeah. um, based on times or sometimes ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think I've always felt really called to the ultra world and Iron Man really stole my um, my attention this past year. But I think because of my love for the mountains and doing – so much mountain climbing in my past as well um i think this is just it feels right for sure you know you get that good yeah. feeling and you're like this is definitely it that, mm. that's how i feel
0: <laughs> yeah so what are you doing now are you training quite yet for the 100 or are you kind of taking like a strength based winter or what's your program like right now?
1: Um, it's kind of mixed. So I have a bunch of other races that I'm doing as well in the lead up. Um, so I'm actually going to be at Antelope Canyon 50, um, in early March, but I'm also competing in Spartan and High Rocks in February. So totally different. I've never done High Rocks. This will be my first Mm -hmm. time. Um, but I love strength and this winter is such a great opportunity for me to to continue that base Mm -hmm. and get some of that back that I definitely lacked during Ironman training. Ironman training was, I mean, it was, I had nine and a half hour days. yeah. So it was really lucky if I got two strength days in a week, Um, but I've really prioritized that because I know that's gonna be super necessary for Leadville. Um, Climbing, um, doing unilateral, um leg workouts um stabilizers etc um so lots of strength but I'm also running a bunch on Saturday um I did a run from Tibble to Midway um which is so fun (laughs) it was such a blast um Mm -hmm. all through snow conditions which actually will be great training for Antelope Canyon through the sand
0: because yeah, it was yeah. very
1: similar um, feeling. So that was 22 miles. Um, and I've just been trail running a ton, which mm. I love. And gosh, we're so blessed here in Utah. Know. It's like <laughs> at our fingertips. It's we're like crazy. five minutes away from yeah.
0: the best trails ever. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible.
1: So that'll be, um, I'll be obviously ramping things up before my 50. I'll do another 50 before Leadville as well. Um, and then I'll also be... Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything lines up. I will be out in Leadville um, beforehand to to train Hopes Pass and get to know the terrain a little cool. bit better too. Yeah, and also sleeping in out 210. tent. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what did you learn from those Ironmans and like all your experience hiking those peaks in Washington um, that you're going to apply to like the ultra scene? So, like, thirteen hour races, food, water, yep. electrolytes. Yeah all of that stuff what maybe what are some big mistakes that you made that you're gonna definitely not make again (laughs) yeah
1: for sure um so (laughs) if you've listened to any of the other podcasts that i've been on i had just the worst ironman experiences on race days um so i had both race days both race days yeah i hate even saying it because it i feel i feel like i'm giving myself an excuse for bad performance which i just it's hurts my core to to do but um Ironman Coeur had had 101 degree fever and I was super super sick for that mm. race um all leading up to the race um I was super sick I couldn't breathe out of my nose I was mm. had flu some sort of flu um and the mistake that I made in that was I love my my cousins, my little baby, cu- or not cousins, they're not my cousins, they're my nieces and my nephews. Uh-huh. I love my nieces and my nephews, but man, are they always sick. <laughs> yeah, and, kids are always <laughs> sick. <laughs> and as someone who has a compromised immune system, like, I know I get mm-hmm. what everything, what everyone else has, but like, for 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the mistake that I made before that was seeing them within the two weeks before my race. Um, I love them, but that will not be happening again. <laughs> um <laughs> <It was. laughs> And then, Kona which just feels so dumb even saying, but I have celiac disease, mm-hmm. do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay, so it's-
0: Well, you can maybe speak to it oh, yeah. for anyone listening that doesn't know what yeah. celiac is.
1: So I ha- it's basically like a super extreme gluten intolerance. So even like food that's cooked on by, like with wheat, it doesn't even have to include wheat necessarily, um, I can get really sick from. And two days before my race in Kona, um. Um, yeah. I had an acai bowl and i had a gut feeling beforehand of like i probably shouldn't eat this mm-hmm. but i was like whatever like it's not so evil it'll be fine just i told my husband i was like just make sure the granola doesn't have gluten yeah and because sometimes granola does have gluten it's oat based generally but sometimes it does they like throw flour in it or whatever it's, i don't know yeah, yeah. um and that entire day and the next day, I was projectile vomiting. I couldn't even drink a sip of water without projectile vomiting all of my food and my liquid. Mm. Um, and that was two days before my race.
0: So <laughs> that's so instead of carb loading, you're like carb deloading. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um,
1: so for two days, I I could not eat or drink water. Um, and th- <sighs> at the end of the second day, I started to be able to consume food, but I was just. It was such. I was. Just distraught because i had gone and i had put so much effort obviously to end up in kona yeah. and then to show up in kona being so like elated with being in the environment and it was all women this year which was so cool and like such a vibrant and bubbly yeah. and encouraging environment um and then to have that be kind of the starting of my race where i'm like just projectile bombing on the side of the road. Yeah. Sorry if anyone was behind me. Because, uh,
0: yeah, that was You're like you don't remember that. It's yeah, was, like I wasn't
1: drunk. I promise. I kept thinking Swag. that I was like these people are gonna think that I'm like drunk or something. <laughs> I'm um, over. But yeah, that was horrible. Um, and I bonked for the first time. I never bonked before.
0: Uh, and I bonked on the bike. Okay, well that makes sense because you'd been throwing up for no two carbs. days. Yeah. No carbs and no water. Without any water. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't even know how you would catch up. On uh, there the was race. no There's way. There's like no way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was it was rough. I could I knew immediately getting onto the bike, coming off of the swim and onto the bike. I knew I was depleted. I could yeah. feel it. You can feel it instantly when your legs are depleted of energy. But Kona specifically is known to have very extreme conditions as far as wind goes heat goes the terrain is not easy it's not an uneasy race by any means which is why the world championships are located there um so i just didn't give the performance necessarily that i would have liked um because Mm -hmm. i had bonked on the bike which if you don't know what an ironman is um you have to run a full marathon after getting off the bike but the bike is 112 miles yeah and usually it's what
0: like five six hours maybe more
1: yeah exactly yeah um so that was not a fun experience by any means. So both Ironman, full Ironmans. Maybe it's a sign mm. that I'm not supposed to be doing Ironmans. Um, just kidding. Uh,
0: but, <laughs> You're like just kidding. I'm doing it again. Yeah, I'm like just
1: kidding, I'll just do it with better preparation. But yeah. yeah, going into my going into Leadville, going into Antelope, going into any further race period, I'm going to be cooking all of my meals yeah. so <laughs> no one can poison yes. me. Oh. Um, and I'm going to be trying to stay as healthy as possible. Um, but the things that I've learned from, honestly, I learned a lot from the backcountry of exploring peaks. And oh, I'm sure. That I think is going to translate more than Iron Man. I think totally. Iron Man teaches you how to race for that long. Like you're continuing to be in a race mindset for that long, which I didn't have in the backcountry. But I think the mountains are a very unique place. And I don't think that you learn things unless you're out there. Yeah. Um, and I actually, it's pretty incredible that some people race Led coming from like Texas. Yeah. Like where you don't have any of that terrain, right? Um, but like hiking is and trail running is significantly different than than running on road. Um yeah. so I think gathering all that from the backcountry and knowing also that your body goes in fluxes, right? There's if you're on foot for 26 hours, like there's going to be points where you feel great and there's gonna be points where you don't feel anything, and then mm-hmm. there's gonna be points where you feel freaking horrible mm-hmm. but you have to learn how to navigate that and I specifically have a lot of experience on glacier and That's on cool terrain um, on technical terrain and I think my military background also relied heavily on this as well but being able to perform when you're not feeling good when you're feeling exhausted but having to be mindful of obstacles or um, crossing crevasses and ladders and keeping rope maintenance and all these different things that you have to keep your mind on um when you're feeling horrible <laughs> or yeah. you have altitude sickness or whatever it you're might sleep be sleep deprived sleep deprived yeah you're dehydrated <laughs> yeah 100 yeah so um but at the end of the day like i think coming back to that gratitude in the moment i'm gonna take into my racing as well like mm. if i'm feeling crappy like just open your eyes look around like there's gotta be something that you think is beautiful yeah and that always brings you back to life maybe even just for a second <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i like have races that i'm just like totally miserable like maybe even crying oh, i'm like such yeah. a crier i'll just like cry yeah. and i'll think of like my dog or like something um, just so stupid kind of that's but stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah he's amazing um but something that just like pulls gratitude into the moment and then it's yeah. like okay this is fun again like yeah. even though like Sometimes it's painful. Like gratitude makes it fun again, and it like yeah. really pushes you. Honestly, yeah. it is like a magic endurance pill. <laughs> it is
1: not Are you have you done hundreds too?
0: No. So actually, oh. my first hundred is this April. Oh, are yes, you, I'm doing I, Zion.
1: I, oh my gosh, yeah. that's gonna be so cool.
0: I thought of Antelope Canyon, but okay, I just decided on Zion. For okay, reason. April.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, that's that'll be so yeah, fun. I'm I, excited. I, I I need to add another one too. I might do Bryce. Oh that would be fun. Um, in May, I think it is. Yeah. But I've heard Zion's so pretty. Yeah. I'm like can I do another 50 the the, the month after? And you're like <laughs> can I? I know, I know yeah. <laughs> but it is crazy. I think I think gratitude and I I always remind myself of this because, you know, I have the experience of not of being told that I would never hike or run mm-hmm. again is is knowing that the choice that I have right now to choose the tough route and choose the pain of racing and choose the pain of being in the mountains or whatever it may be like that that is a choice now like I get to make that choice and how cool is that like I'm not out suffering because I have something in my life that is is causing me to struggle Mm -hmm. um but I am now choosing right I'm now choosing my pain and choosing that it's not struggle I'm choosing it um so kind of coming back to that of like I get to be out here, like that's yeah. so cool. Like I was not supposed to be able to be out here and that always elates me because I mean, there's so, so many experiences that that I could have just taken what I was told and, and not be here. And yeah, it's just like the coolest experience and every race that I get to have, I am just elated to be there. Yeah. So it's it's really cool, <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs>
0: that's awesome i also think how much you strength train i see you post about it a lot on your instagram i think that's a really cool aspect of your training do you have a coach that programs that for you do you program it yeah what does that look like right now
1: i have always programmed my own strength um so i was actually a personal trainer um, before i joined the military while i was in college so that was one of my three jobs um i love strength training i Uh think it's one of like the most underutilized things in endurance especially mountain sports because Mm it's uphill, right? Like you yeah. have to use your glutes, you have to use your your quads and your hamstrings and all the stabilizers. Um, but I think this is where women can really take hold of of athleticism is being able to train legs because naturally we are able to develop our legs generally. This yeah. is general specific, um, better than males because we hold more weight in our legs. Mm. So being able to, to capitalize on that and build the muscle is such i think such an underutilized tool um do you know know sally mccray i'm sure yeah yeah. um but she speaks heavily about this as well of like she'd been told for years that strength training would hold her back from doing well and we've seen that be so not true yeah Um, of course running is important when you're training for an ultra but i think there's just something about strength that that allows you to be able to push when your endurance is failing or when you're feeling your form fail, like you're able to utilize the muscles that you've worked so hard to build in the off season or, or in season even. Um, so, yeah, and I love I love strength training. It's yeah. it's it's something that we can all do. Right. Like you can do it if no matter what the weather is, if you're stuck at home, like you, you can strength train. It's it's an o- there's an opportunity for it at all times. Yeah. Um, mm. And there's just something so cool about being able to push weight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's
0: fun. I've thought a lot about like why that is, why? Because I also think strength training is so important, especially in the ultra world, in the mountain running world. Yeah, Like even your upper body and your core, like for races like Leadville, when you definitely have to use poles, Yeah, like I've seen people totally just get destroyed because their upper body's not prepped for Mm -hmm. all that pole work. Mm um and I kind of think it might be because there's just like not a ton of data there's not a ton of studies on (laughs) yeah ultra running like there's a lot of data on marathon there's a lot of data on triathlon but ultras especially mountain races are so different that there's not so different much data I guess I don't know but yeah I agree I think it's it's awesome yeah what are your like favorite movements are you would you say you're like more of a functional strength trainer do you do like Traditional Olympic movements.
1: I do a mixture of both. Okay. I, I mean, I trained for powerlifting when I was in college, so I have like a base of Olympic.
0: You've done like a little bit of everything. A little <laughs> bit of everything.
1: I like to be like, oh, this is so funny. I had someone tell me when I first started triathlon that triathlon is um, about being mediocre at all three sports instead mm-hmm. of being good at one. And I was like, that is me. <laughs> <She> <laughs> I was, like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, like got too many hobbies. Um. But yeah, I, I also love rock climbing. So mm-hmm. that was something that I did when I was um, really in back, the backcountry as well, was learning how to uh, cli- climb in the Alpine. Mm. Um, But I really, I like functional fitness for certain days and then I like really base building. Um, Unilateral stuff is something that I really focus on um, especially for mountain training because Mm. specifically for me, um, I know that I'm lacking in my side that had cancer. Um, Mm. So being able to to isolate one side versus the other um, and strength train them individually is really important instead of just doing squats. Like a Bulgarian split squat is going to feel significantly different than just a squat because you're only u- utilizing one side yeah or you're technically utilizing both sides but just in different, in different ways ways yeah.
0: yeah and also different like accessory muscles are activated too totally. that you yeah. wouldn't get in just a squat 100
1: so. yeah so i love that and then um because i race spartan as well um which is very heavily upper body totally. and grip strength and uh some non-functional, functional fitness things yeah. that I'm like, I'm never gonna need this in my life. Like, why do I need to know how to do monkey bars? I'm not quite sure, but I, I need to be able to do them in lots of different ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I love that type of training. It's mm. so fun for me. It really like invigorates a childlike, um, like part of my soul that's just having fun when I'm training. Which, yeah. if your training's not fun which it was not fun for me at the end of my Ironman prep, I will say, Um, (laughs) then it might be time to like switch things up or at least like to explore different options. But yeah, so I do a lot of grip stuff, a lot of upper body. I love back. Back is like my favorite thing to train um, and just learning how to move my body in different ways. And I'm just starting to toe into like the calisthenics aspects because I think that'll help me a lot for Spartan specifically. Yeah. So I'm diving into that for the first time, really. Um, I've never been a CrossFit girly, but I can learn a lot of things um, from the CrossFit girlies out there
0: for sure. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like you're jack of all trades and you're... Actually pretty good at all oh, of the no. stuff that you do. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm not gonna try them. But then you like go to Kona. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Please try>. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Thanks Um, any other things on your horizon? Are there any other goals that you have for this year or maybe the future that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just continuing to spend <laughs> my mission. That's that's my main goal for this year and and Leadville, and training for Leadville and accomplishing mm. Leadville. Um, and being able to make an impact with with that process. Um, mm-hmm. eventually, and this is something that we can talk about off air or <laughs> if yeah. we need to but um i would like to start my own nonprofit as well and write a book um but that's a five year plan for sure mm-hmm. um so i think i've learned so much from my from my experience of going through cancer that i would like to to put into writing in a way that people can absorb without having to go through cancer and i think it's really unique also being so young and going through this experience of of going through something so tough that i think in my opinion, I would never have been served this platter if it wasn't for a purpose and if mm-hmm. it wasn't to to make an impact and and to help others. So that's my whole goal for this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, Leadville the big training one for sure.
0: Yeah, you have like the personality for it too. I think oh, like thanks. you are, it is inspiring to watch you overcome things that probably felt impossible at one point. And then to see you succeed at like a million different things is... Crazy inspiring. One thing I actually did want to ask you about, you kind of had the perfect excuse almost when your doctor told you you're never going to walk again mm-hmm. to just like chill or sit back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I I can think back into like certain times in my life when I feel like I've received what could be an excuse. And sometimes I take it, honestly, and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. Um, what advice do you have for people who maybe have a goal or like want to achieve something Mm -hmm. and are handed this like excuse almost yeah like how do you what do you do with that
1: yeah I mean that's a great question I think the number one thing is to realize that there's a difference between having an excuse and having a real injury or a real setback yes 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 um and I think I want to make sure that that's super clear. I don't think that I've always had a healthy attachment to accomplishments, and I will mm. say that I think like I think I've always tied my value to my accomplishments, which is something that I'm working on now. Yeah. Um, however, I do think it is very easy to take the easy road, right? It's very easy to take the comfort road um, that we've talked about, and it's very easy to to feel like a victim of your experiences and to just say, okay, well I'm relinquishing all of my control to this experience. But I think having a strong why is really important and really looking at things from that angle. um, Is your goal created to have a a stronger, is there a a bigger purpose as to why you wanna accomplish this goal? If that purpose or that why is strong enough, you wouldn't even be questioning that excuse, right? Yeah. Um. It, it's one thing to have a day off, right? Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to completely quit. And I've been exploring this idea a lot recently of of why do people quit? And mm. what is this quitting mindset? like? <laughs>
0: You're like, I've never done that. Like,
1: <laughs> why do, I mean, I've, I've definitely yeah. considered quitting before <laughs> for sure. But I think quitting is, is such an easy route because instead of walking through the unknown and mm. and going through the obstacle of like, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do this, we decide to take the sure route of quitting instead of walking through the unknown. Uh. And the unknown is what teaches us so much. But instead of like wanting to go through the unknown and wanting to be taught the lessons that I think that we're all built to be able to be taught, we take this easy sure maybe it's not easy, but we're taking the sure path of quitting. And that really eliminates our opportunity to grow. And even if it's not growing in athletics, but it's it's growing in an experience of of knowing how to connect with your relationships better or whatever it may be. It doesn't even have to be tied to athletics. But if we stop conditioning ourselves to quitting and we decide that our unknown path is going to be more attractive to us in the future and that we want to explore that unknown because it teaches us us the valuable tools that we need to succeed in life, we should always go that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this is really easy for a lot of people to take. So really knowing like, are you just taking this excuse because you want to quit and you want that surefire answer of I'm quitting, here's my excuse, this is my my easy way out or is it because you're curious or you're scared of what's to come on the unknown side?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it is like, Yeah, the unknown versus unknown path. And then, like, obviously an easy way versus, like, possibly harder, but possibly better. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard it put that way. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming today, Amanda. Um, Do you have any advice for anyone who's going through, like, maybe one piece of actionable advice for someone who's going through something that they feel like might be insurmountable what would you say
1: yeah um just give yourself space to to be mindful and to come back to gratitude i this my my biggest mission is just, just to tell people that they're you're capable of so much more but you there's always something to re- be grateful for and gratitude saves lives and it changes your life and if you can practice that each and every day it'll show you that you can get through your tough times
0: Thank yeah.
1: you. Yeah, thanks. For and me. if
0: anyone wants to donate to yeah. your charity for the yeah. Leadville 100, yeah. I'll put a link in the Spotify and YouTube description, and oh, then cool. you probably have links in your bio yeah. on Instagram and stuff. So, yeah. whoever's listening, if you <laughs> have the means or want to contribute at all, um, please check those links out.
1: Yay! Thank you. Thank you for having me.